Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 199 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. Ryan Howard of the Philadelphia Phillies set a record 199 strikeouts in the 2007 Major League Baseball season, and possibly today I'm going to strike out when I tell my Friday funny. In the show, uh, we're going to talk about the ITTF World Junior Championships, the influence of the free arm using a robot to practice against backspin and how to practice to be like a juicy hook and the challenges of playing against new players. I'm Jeff Plum and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yes, another good day, another good show, I'm sure. Um, 199. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Like, he'd probably be really happy with that 199, but then he'd be, oh, no, I couldn't have got the 200. No, 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 no. He wouldn't have wanted to get 200. This is him getting struck out, Alois. Oh, he got struck out. He didn't, he's not a pitcher. Oh, okay. Yes. So he was lucky. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think he had a reasonable career. He had a lot of home runs and uh, stuff. But, yeah, that's, that's not a good, good record, I wouldn't think. It's probably like, you know, pretty bad for your, you know, your mental state, really, when you get struck out 199 times in a row, surely. Not in a row, just for the season. I, I, I See, I'm just not listening to you, Jeff. Uh, it's maybe... an interesting fact that you're not listening to me at all. Oh, well, you know, and I said I might strike out because it's Friday Funnies. Why I, think, yeah. I just go straight into the joke and tell it to you. Go for it. All right. Why don't you see the German national team hiding under table tennis tables? I don't know. Why don't you see the German national team hiding under table tennis tables? Because they're very, very, very good at it. (laughs) It's funny, I knew it would be. They're very good at it, man. You just cannot see them. That's see, you're getting better, Jeff. Like... <laughs> All right, Alois. Um, I want to. I want to actually talk about yesterday's um, Ping Skills question of the day because it was: Can table tennis become the most popular sport in the world? What yeah, do we people had, think? Uh, yeah, we had some mixed responses. A lot of yeses and a lot of of courses. Um, but, um, yeah, there was a couple of other interesting comments. So Mark said, in other words, can football become number two? Not likely unless the world is sick of its politics. Well, that is possible, I think. Um, and um, Lucas said, nah, table tennis requires too many things to be practical enough to become the most popular. And there was another one here from... Um, duh, 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 duh. Uh, Fabio, that's it. Fabio said, unlikely as being so based on relatively intricate physics is never going to appeal to simpletons. Well, you know, like the general public. Um, However, I'm sure it can be made more popular. Um, Yeah. And uh, Dana said, I love the game. I will play for as long as I can. But unless there is big money advertising, it'll never become a major crowd-drawing sport around the world. China may be, but without the 
major money draw. Other countries have soccer, football, tennis, etc. that will always draw more interest. Hmm, interesting. And uh, James Williams said, uh, it appears very unlikely that soccer will fall from the most popular sport in the world. For it to become big, we need to advertise the game more, make it enticing for people to want to take it up. So, yeah, interesting comments. And yeah. um, I yeah. think I think um, I get the feeling that it is becoming more popular and that the, the world tour is becoming more popular. Um, but maybe that's just because I'm sort of interested in it. But, uh, you know, I think we're, you know, on the right track slowly. That's my thoughts to, to improving. Can it become the biggest game in the world? Who knows? I mean, China, such a big part of the world, um, and they love it. So there's some potential, but, you know, things change really slowly. So it's hard to see, you know, like in the next 10 years, definitely not. <laughs> but Yeah, you know, it's, hard, it's hard to say. I mean... It is now the sport that is uh, has the most countries affiliated with it. So, you know, I think it's up at 222 countries, you know. So maybe as a, as a participation um, sport, it is pretty close. Yes, yes. But in terms of popular and, you know, the prize money compared to, you know, soccer and football and the tennis, uh, we're still a long way off. Yeah, definitely at the at the top level in the advertising and the money, as people have mentioned. Yeah, we're a long way behind, aren't we? Long way behind the tennises and golfs, uh, definitely. Yeah, certainly. But um, yeah, let's see what happens in the next few years. See if we can just, you know, I think you can't just jump up either because we're not ready for that. So I think it's going to be a gradual uh, progression. So and I think. You know, the Pro Tour is on the right track. That's my feeling. So let's see what happens. Yeah, and the ITTF certainly making some, some good inroads, I think, with their um, um, with their coverage now. So, you know, with ITTV and um, with their program. So, yeah, let's see. Hopefully, you know, 10 years down the track. We'll, the only thing, uh, we'll... like, with ITTV, it seems like you can watch things live, but you can't go back and take a look at old things easily and i still think um they need to you know publicize stats more and that's why you know i built this spinified website which i don't keep up to date that often but listing all the results from the pro tours and then it shows who's won against top 10 players and things like that and i think and all the tournament results but it doesn't have videos on there i think if i could link the tournament results to the videos and show which matches were played and stuff like that that would be a really popular website and help, um, you know, people enjoy stats and like the game. I really like the website Crick Info, which has lots of stats on that, and then they have all the matches, and it's it's really good. Um, but yeah. anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, just just the just the uh, the media presence is so important now, and just also trying to make the players more. Um, more popular you know one one thing i often think about when i'm doing the on this day wouldn't it be great if we had um all the birthdays of all the top players and you know we could say that today was you know samsonov's birthday or uh, whatever but yeah that's not easily found or i can't i can't seem to find that easily so that would be good okay interesting because in spinified i do have a list of that alloys um so we might be able to work on that Okay, um, good. 
Okay, let's move on to today's Pink Skillers question of the day, which is who has been the most influential person in table tennis? So jump onto our Facebook page uh, or onto our blog at pinkseals.com and let us know who has been the most influential person in table tennis. All righty. So that does bring us, Alois, to this day in history. What have you got for us? Yes, well, you know, the, the great Sergei Bubka was born on this day in 1963. Now, interested, Jeff, do you, do you remember Sergei Bubka? No. No, yeah, see, it's probably more um, my generation of people, but, yeah, we grew up with Sergei Bubka, the great pole vaulter from uh well from the Soviet Union at the time and then from the uh, representing Ukraine later but one of the real uh outstanding sportsmen of uh, of that era he broke 35 world records in the pole vault um and uh, I think 17 indoor uh, outdoors and 18 indoor world records and he still holds um the outdoor world record at 6 meters 15 i think it is so um yeah and that was that was in 19 uh, let me have a quick look it was in 1994 or something like that that he broke that so a uh, very long standing long standing world record and still holds it um yeah really really interesting character um only won one olympic gold medal and you know he he won um one year uh, they boycott, uh, they boycotted the Olympics. Another year, he had an injury. Another couple of years, he just bombed out in the in the um, in the finals. So uh, yeah, but I think yeah, one you know fifteen world uh, how many world titles? Some ridiculous number of world titles as well. So um, wow, that is amazing. I do kind of remember him now that you you go through some of those things. Yeah. Um, yes. Very. Sergey Bubka. But let me. Let me give you a couple of his quotes. I think they were good. Oh, um, yes. Let's hear them. Yep. So I love the pole vault because it's a professor's sport. One must not only run and jump, but one must think which pole to use, which height to jump, which strategy to use. I love it because the results are immediate and the strongest is the winner. Everyone knows it. In every everyday life, that is difficult to prove. So that's... Uh, yeah, and I think that's a little bit true about sport in general, isn't it? You know, like it, it, it's nice to just have the winner and loser and, you know, clear cut in life, you know, it does get a bit more complicated. Um, and another one was my jump was imperfect, my running was too short and my hands were too far back at takeoff. When I managed to iron out these faults, I'm sure I can improve. And that was an interview after he was the first person to break 20 feet or 6.1 metres. So, you know, sometimes sometimes things don't feel um, like they're perfect, but you can still get a good result. There you go. Good quotes. I like it. All righty. Good one. All right. Now, Alois, we're going to talk about the influence of the free arm. What is important to note here? Yeah, and I've been sort of doing a little bit of thinking about this and, you know, experimenting or, you know, watching a couple of players in particular that have um, led me to, to thinking much more about the position of the free arm. You know, I, um, I don't tend to put a lot or haven't tended to put a lot of emphasis on where that free arm is uh, for 
for uh, for players when they're playing and when I'm coaching them. But couple of couple of players in particular on the backhand side, I found now that just by getting them to raise their free hand, it alters the their hitting position of the ball as well. So um, when their free hand's down lower, uh, they tend to hit that the ball from lower. When they get the free hand up, they tend to hit the the ball from a little bit higher, which adds a bit more safety to their blocking. Um, so both these players have good forehand technique, and and on the forehand they tend to keep their their free arm up, but on the backhand they tend to drop their free arm, and and they which causes them a few problems on the backhand. And you know just by altering that positioning with the free arm, they have tended to improve their backhand pretty quickly. You know and um, and yeah, I mean, we, 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 we've often talked about um, the balance factor of the free arm, you know, and keeping it here. But I think also the height of the free arm um, does help a little bit. I've, I've been trying to watch um, some of the better players and just watch their hitting position in relation to their free arm, you know, whether um, when they are hitting the ball from higher, their free hand's up higher and lower. And it seems to be, I haven't really um, been able to watch enough uh, slow-mo stuff, but uh, it's probably something that you need to just have a bit of a look at as well and just see if you can um, spot some differences with the better players. Um, I think especially on the backhand side, you know, that free hand getting up higher um, tends to tends to get the bat up higher and, and a little bit more balance with, uh, with, your, with your shot. Very interesting observations. And, yeah, I think you're, it sounds logical, doesn't it? I mean... You don't want to have your free arm up higher than your bat. That's going to feel awkward because you're going to be off balance. And if you have it too low, maybe you're off balance this way. So it does make sense to kind of have it at the the same height. Good yeah. observations. Yeah, and it's probably you know just from the from our you know catching days and 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 things like that. You know that's that's what we do. We we tend to be quite symmetrical um, with what we do. So yeah, just by getting that up, I think. It almost automatically gets your other hand in the in a higher position to, um, and and by focusing on that, um, uh, yeah, you, you you're then not so so much focusing on the stroke, but yeah, you've, um, it's happening happening a bit more naturally. Yeah, anyway, um, something to just think about and something to uh, experiment with a little bit um, for your strokes and just see see what you think. We we have got a. Um, a previous Ask the Coach video response on um, the use of the free arm. And and there we do talk a lot about um, the balance. And that, as I said, that is a really important factor. So we'll put a link there um, to that as well. So take a look at uh, that video on the free arm and, and you'll see what we talk about with the balance. But also perhaps just start to thinking a little bit more about the height of, uh, of your free arm or your free hand. Excellent. All right, let's move on to the World Junior Championships. What has happened recently in this event? Yeah, so we've uh, so for us Aussies, we've had a bit of a uh, bit of success overnight with the boys. Um, Dominic Huang had a had a good victory um, in against uh, a Brazilian Gustavo Yokota, um, winning four three. Um, so that puts him through to the main draw. Um, and also um, Dylan Chambers got through the main uh, the group stages, winning both of his matches and, uh, and making it through to the main draw. So for us Aussies, some good results. Um, Woo-hoo, go Aussies! Yeah, exactly. And uh, also for uh, for the US as well, um, 
Kanak Jar got through as expected. Um, but uh, let me just pull it up here. Um, but also uh, Krishna Teja Avari got through unexpectedly um, winning his matches. So well done there as well. So, yeah, some, again, you know, really good, um, really good matches, really good um, competition over there. Um, the, I think there's 24 in the, in the boys, there's 24 um, qualification or round robin groups. Top two go through. So that's 48 players plus um, the 16 seeds. So that makes uh, a 64 draw um, coming up. So, uh, yeah, the top 16 seeds go straight into the main draw. So that'll be starting yeah, pretty soon. So the, the round robin groups finishing today. Excellent. All right. So don't forget to jump onto the ITTF website and click on the ITTV link if you want to see some of that action. All right, let's get on to some questions, Alois. First up from Abhinav, he says, I played with my robot on a heavy backspin setting. When the ball was long, I found it hard to topspin. The ball stopped on the table. The same happened when I set it to do short serves. They were falling short of my reach. Is that amount of spin real? Yeah, that's um, it's interesting. I mean, those robots can generate a ridiculous amount of uh, backspin on the ball. Um, I don't think it is really, you know, um, real as far as what is normal in a in a game. But it can can teach you a few good things, you know. Um, by having that much backspin, it can just really get you to feel um, what you need to do with your racket on that heavy backspin. So tilting your bat right back and also just perhaps lifting the ball a little bit um, to, to get it up and over the net can help. Um, the other point you talk about, you know, out of your reach, and that's a really important one. So I find that often with the backspin ball, um, firstly on the top spin, the players tend to hit the ball out in front of them because they're not quite seeing how much backspin's on the ball. So the backspin will make the ball stop and prop and it won't um, come through to you. So you need to get really close to the table. Um, make sure that you get your legs really close in, both legs in nice and close. And if you're a right-hander, even try to get your right hand, uh, right, uh, your left leg, sorry, a little bit under the table. So, you know, if you can get really close and under the table like this right here um, and then make make that forehand top spin is a little bit easier. Um, on the short push, then you're talking about your right leg coming right under the table. So get that as far under the table as you can. So, again, that you can reach in really close and get your nose close to the ball and um, and it's easier to... to um, counteract that that heavy backspin ball that's just going to stop on you and almost sit uh, sit up um, close to the net. So, All yeah, right. getting close is really important. Yeah, great tips there. Abhinav, try out those suggestions from Alois and let us know if they help you out. And I don't know a lot about robots, Alois, but I guess there's different settings of the amount of spin, and it's probably good to practice on on the different amounts of settings just to get used to variations of spin. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's good to just yeah vary it, and yeah, I mean, it's always interesting, isn't it? You know, like uh, everyone with a robot 
cranks it up to the fastest speed sometimes and just to see how fast the ball's coming and see if they can react. Um, and also, yeah, everyone cranks it up to the maximum backspin or the maximum topspin just to see what it's like. So, yeah, it's always nice to explore those different possibilities. But whether it's real, probably not going to get a heavy backspin ball that often unless you're playing the great Brian Berry. <laughs> Indeed. That Brian Berry, man, can he get some backspin. Um, all right, let's move on to Kamal, who says, I started table tennis last year. I have 20 hours training time in a week. I have a forehand and backhand drive, a forehand and backhand chop, and a forehand tossbin. But I want to be a chopper like Juicy Hook. What is your advice, coach? If you like it, do it. Um, so... If you if you feel comfortable chopping and if you like uh, like playing as a chopper, definitely do it. Such a good game to play. It's um you know it's it's quite it's a free game. It's um uh, yeah you can you can put a lot more energy into it. You know there's a lot more running. There's a lot more um, jumping around the court. So yeah, if you enjoy chopping, definitely do it. And for me, I love watching choppers. I want more choppers around because so it's so entertaining. I mean, watching Juicy Hook play um, any uh, of the top level players is just beautiful. Yeah, certainly is. Certainly is. And um, 20 hours training time, that's a lot, Alloys. So um, plenty of potential there. We have a yeah. video on match strategy on playing as a chopper. So um, I think it's probably for premium members, but I'll put a link up on the show notes. Um, yeah, any advice on, on training to be a chopper? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the... the uh... The couple of things. One is make sure you just get that consistency of your stroke. Um, one of the real advantages of being a chopper is that you are putting a lot of balls back on the table. Um, so that's the first thing. Don't try to, you know, chop the guts out of um, the ball to start off with. Just develop the consistency of the stroke and get that ball back on the table um, as often as you can. Um Footwork is also important. The, the footwork that we need to practice with the with the chopping is more of the triangle footwork. So um, you're practicing close to the table, but then you're also moving out this way for your backhand chop and out this way for your forehand chop. So practicing that um, triangular motion. So you can even do a short ball, a forehand chop, backhand chop, back in for the short ball or go the other way. Um, or just go in and out and in and out both ways. So um, that sort of in and out movement is important for the for the chopper as well. And then you know the being back away from the table as well. Excellent. All right. Good luck, Kamal. Um, love that style, as Alloy said. Go for it and let us know how you progress. All right. Anish now says, I often play at my club very well. But when it comes to playing matches with new players, I often keep playing with my style and somewhere I feel I lose the match due to improper adaptability with new players and often fall short. Can you please help me? Yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting one, Anish, because I think, you know, one of the advantages of playing tournaments is that you start to see a wider range of players and it almost forces you into into uh, learning how to do this better because 
often, often, you know, players, we play in our own leagues or, you know, in our own office and we see the same players every day. And we, uh, um, in, even in a league, you know, I mean, there might be six or eight teams in your league, but year on year, you end up playing the same people. And it's, it's easy to work out, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses of those players. So by throwing yourself into tournaments, it almost forces you to see, wow, here's a new player. Never seen this player before. Um, what do I need to do? So the, the things that you need to start to think about are, um, firstly, if you can, watch the player in a previous match. That, that always helps because you just get some good pictures of what they're actually doing. Then think about um, where they are weaker and stronger at blocking the ball. So, you know, if someone's attacking to them, uh, do they... Do they prefer the ball coming to their backhand or to their forehand? Which side they're better at attacking with? So have they got a better forehand attack or a backhand attack? Um, And then also think about what their strong serves are and where their weaknesses and strengths lie with their return of serve. So what type of serves don't they like? You know, do they like... Uh, receiving the tomahawk serve? Do they like receiving the pendulum serve? Are they they look comfortable doing that. Do they make mistakes doing that. So they're the they're the areas that you need to explore. Now, how do you do that quickly? In a match situation, if you haven't seen them before, you've never played them before, um, it's a matter of just experimenting early in the game. So, um, and you can even experiment a little bit in the in the warm up. Um, just give them some different top spins, give them some top spins to their forehand side, give them some top spins to their backhand side, just see where they look more comfortable. Um, and then it's hard in the warm-up to do your serves on them because that's not what you normally do. But early on in the match, just give them a few different serves. Give them the tomahawk, give them the pendulum, give them the backhand, give them the reverse, whatever it is, and just see. And you might find pretty quickly something that they look uncomfortable with so so that's the important things there just you know early in the match give them a few different options give them a few different things to deal with and see what they feel comfortable with yeah absolutely and with the serve alloys if i'm playing someone new i tend to like to just do my favorite serve first and see if they handled that well and if if they're particularly good at that then maybe i'd try something else but I, yeah, yeah i mean i guess it's a good idea to try a few different things just to see you know if something really is they don't like yeah i mean if if your favorite serve works then you know just keep doing it yeah but yes if 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 that if that isn't effective yeah keep changing it up and and find something find something that they don't like great all right anish so yeah so just keep working on developing your own game the better you get the better you're going to be at playing newer players and then yeah try and play some tournaments where you just get to play a lot of new players as ally said no substitute for experience the more you play different styles, the better you're going to get against that. So good luck, Anish, and thank you for the question. All right, Alois, that wraps up uh, show 199. It was a great show with Friday Funnies, This Day in History, plenty of good questions. So thanks, everyone, for watching, and thanks for your questions. And Alois, thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey, and I'll be going out uh, hunting for those German table tennis players. You won't find it, man. (laughs) All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy table tennis if you can. And we'll be back on Monday for show 200. See you.